It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Support for this podcast comes from CDW and Dell Technologies. At CDWG, we get that migrating your agency to a hyper-converged infrastructure is challenging. Like me switching to decaf. Gotta do it, don't wanna do it, but gotta do it. Whoa, slow down, friend. CDWG's experts can help simplify your transition from legacy to hyper-converged infrastructure with Dell EMC solutions that offer speed and agility. Do it, do it. Have you done it? Is it done yet? Why isn't it done yet? IT orchestration by CDWG. People who get it. Find out more at cdwg.com slash EMC. For my crazy day, my pack commute, all those unread emails in my inbox. But I'm getting stronger, faster, and pushing myself further every day. I don't care if I'm not like everyone else. This punching bag is the best way to end my day. <laughs> Whew. Fearless is knowing yoga isn't your style. That's the power of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Federal Employee Program. Learn more about our healthy benefits at fepblue.org slash getmore. Welcome into the Locked on Bengals podcast. I'm James Rapine. It's great to have you in on a Tuesday on Twitter at James Rapine at Locked on Bengals. You can subscribe on iTunes, Audioboom.com, and the iHeartRadio app season. We are almost there, folks. Five days away. And it's, it's great. This podcast is growing. Please share it with any friends, any family, any Bengals fans you know. Thank you so much for listening. There's a uh, a ton a ton to get to today. Joe Goodberry coming up in about 15 minutes. He joined me yesterday on ESPN 1530. I assume most of you weren't tuning into that, so I figured why not instead of bother Joe twice, get him on and, and use that audio. So I'll do that. I also got someone uh, that I tracked down yesterday. Jeff Hobson, Bengals.com, joined me, and I talked to him about a variety of topics. I mean, a, a ton of different things. And Jeff Hobson's is plugged in as they come. Him and Dave Lapham, those are the guys I talk to. I want to know how they're feeling, how the Bengals are feeling about this BS Vontez Burfick suspension. So I asked him about that. I asked him about John Ross because there's no doubt you're concerned. I voiced my concerns about John Ross. What are the Bengals feeling? How do they feel about their first-round pick? Great stuff from Mick, on Mixon as well from Jeff Hobson. But I started when I, I, I interviewed Jeff. By the way, he's on Twitter, at Jeff Hobson Sin. I asked him about Randy Bullock and Jake Elliott. Because to me, this was the best case scenario. Randy Bullock ends up on the team. The guy that had the better offseason. The guy that was better in OTAs, mini camps, training camp, preseason. And Jake Elliott clears waivers, so he's on the practice squad just in case you need him. So I asked Jeff Hobson if this was the best case scenario for the Bengals kickers. Yeah, you're right. It's uh, very intriguing, and uh, and it's intriguing uh, even more to the nth degree when Elliott doesn't get claimed, which I think surprised them. I think that the uh, uh, I think you know Marvin. You know, I think Marvin said what we all thought. That if uh, Jake did well, he would have won it. And, you know, Rain, basically Randy had to knock him out. He did. But I think, you know, Jake's a good kicker. And, you know, don't get too comfortable here, kid. You know, don't unpack. You know, if somebody blows up in the opener, he's probably gone, you know. So mm-hmm. I think it's a hell of a move by the Bengals because they're basically giving the kid. The kid can get plucked by anybody mm-hmm. now that he's on a roster. So, and he probably will. But I think, you know. It shows you that, uh, you know, they believe in the guy, and, uh, you know, I think he's appreciative of the opportunity. It's, uh, um, I, you know, 
Uh, Randy beat him, but Jake certainly got a future in the league. Now, Jeff, when they saw, and, and when I, Bengals Twitters and fan, Twitter and fans saw that Jake Elliott was on the practice squad, I think they immediately thought, oh, well, the moment Randy Bullock has an issue or is a couple misses, struggles at all, the Bengals can then turn to Jake Elliott. I'm not necessarily sure that's the case. What uh, what do you think in that scenario? How long is Randy Bullock's leash? I think Coach Simmons has proven he's got a big leash. He's got a long leash. Mm-hmm. So we only have to go back to last year and Mike Nugent, you know? Yeah. Darren Simmons, Darren Simmons, Darren Simmons has a lot of heart. You know, he he coaches with his head, but he's got a lot of heart. And uh, meaning, I don't, I don't mean he's, you know, he's he's sympathetic or anything like that. But I mean, well, he is sympathetic, but I mean empathetic, I guess. What I mean by heart is he knows that it's 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 head and heart. You know what I mean? And so uh, Nugent, you know, Nugent, Nugent got a long leash. Uh, you know, I thought Shane Graham had a fairly long leash. You know, and. Um, uh, but not in the playoffs, you know. He, he he misfired twice in the playoffs, and that was it. But I think, you know, uh, I think Randy gets at least that. I would think, and uh, I don't think that the leash is shorter just because Jake's around. You know, I don't I don't buy that. I mean, and Marvin Marvin both Marvin and Darren went out of their way to say that today. If there's nobody looking over their, over his shoulder now, they're you know obviously it's a pretty good incentive. But I think. You know, they know when they put him on a, I mean, I just don't know how long Jake's going to be here. So I, I think it's going to be a long leash. Jeff, John Ross didn't practice today. Obviously, he kind of tweaked that left knee uh, last Thursday. Do you expect him to play this week against Baltimore? Um, I guess I would have a better thought of that on Wednesday. But um, I'm not sure he would have played anyway. I mean, I guess he would have played. I guess he would have suited up. Probably would have suited up if he hadn't got hurt. But remember, he doesn't have any, virtually no snaps. Mm-hmm. So uh, I would think uh, it's going to be a tough nut for him now to be active, just because simply because of, the, of the, just you know he missed another practice today. Um, you know the fact that he missed today that would indicate you know probably a long shot to play on Sunday. But uh, there's the the fact that other than the knee is you know he just hasn't practiced. The Vontez perfect suspension, something that I thought was was kind of silly and dumb by the NFL, but it, it happened. How do you think they they felt about it down there at Paul Brown Stadium? Because obviously Marvin Lewis d- during the press conference wasn't really a a fan, didn't understand where it was coming from. I didn't really understand what the NFL was thinking. Does this ruling come down if it's anyone else that makes that hit besides Vontez Perfect? Well, I think that's pretty clear. I mean, I think um, Vontez is in a different category when he's in the uh, when he's uh, got scrutiny in the league. You know, is, it, uh, is that so they, fair? you know to you know to use a term they were pissed off here. You know, yeah. I mean uh, they they went to great lengths to make that appeal, and I think you'd have to say they did a pretty good job if you're going by uh, the the letter. I think they probably the two elements of the letter they probably disproved on film, and it's still and, and the suspension was still upheld. And uh, you know it was it, Marvin Marvin isn't exactly some slappy that fell off the turnip truck. Yeah. The man's coached the man's coached in the league for 15 years, and he is on the competition committee. So, um, you know, to hear him be passionate about—I mean, I understand he's got a dog in a fight, and he's a big Vontez guy. But still, the stuff that he was talking about made sense. He didn't pull it out of the air. So, yeah, to to to, to answer your question, yeah, I think they're pretty upset, and uh, probably not surprised. And uh, just as probably you could probably. Uh, that would probably characterize Bengals them right now. 
Yeah, and, and I know no game is a, especially a divisional game against Baltimore, even at home, is never a automatic win or anything like that. But I felt like with Vontez, this is a game that when the schedule came out, you say, okay, the Bengals are probably going to win that game. Right. Now, now yeah. without him, I think it becomes a coin flip, Jeff. Well, I, uh, you know, Flacco, they've got their own problems. Flacco just started a practice. Yeah. No wide, you know, they, they keep getting wide receivers hurt. They got their own problems. But yeah, I mean, I mean, any, you know, I, I, I would, you know, sure. I, I, I don't know if this thing is ever a lock, no matter who's playing or not. You know what I mean? With Baltimore, I think, yeah. I, I think in the last 11 games, eight of them have just been decided by a touchdown. Um, so I think the game's kind of probably a coin toss anyway. Uh, I understand what you're saying, but you know, remember they're 15 and seven without Montez. I mean, obviously they'd like to have him, but this is not this is not a. Remember they've opened the last two seasons with them without him. Mm-hmm. You know, they didn't have him out in Oakland, and they won, and they didn't have him uh, and they didn't have him last year in New York, and they won. So they've been here. I'm, I'm not saying they're going to win, but I'm, all I'm saying is, uh, and I'm not saying he's he's a he's a terrific loss. I mean, he's a hell of a loss. He's one of the best linebackers in the league. He's one of the most. He's one of their leaders. He's there. Any guy you talk to on defense will tell you he's their heart and soul. So yeah, it's a loss, but it's also a loss that they've you know that they 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 played with it before. James Rapine talking with Jeff Hobson, Bengals dot com for a few more minutes. Jeff's on Twitter at Jeff Hobson Sin. I, I looked at the cuts, and Will Clark do, didn't surprise me that the Bengals moved on from him, but I think it does kind of point out and show, Jeff, that the difference with this year's defensive line, the depth that it has versus last year. Will Clark is, in my mind, a lot like Marcus Hunt. Hunt made the team last year because they might not have had the depth that they have this year, hence they get rid of a a guy like Will Clark. It seems like they're pretty much uh, a lot deeper at the defensive line position. Yeah, I would agree on that. Um, I, you know, uh, they, they, Really upgraded with uh, uh, Jordan Jordan Willis there. That's a, and Carl Lawson and uh, of course Chris Smith wasn't drafted, but you know um, Willis and Lawson went three four in the draft, and um, Lawson counts as a linebacker. Willis is a defensive defensive end. Uh, you know they've kind of struggled there at that spot when they've drafted high. You know there's been there's Will Clark, there's Marcus Hardison, there's there's, there's Devin Still. You know, they've, they've spent a lot of high picks. Marcus Hunt was a second rounder on the defensive line, and I think this is a guy, I think they hit gold with Willis. I think Willis, has, uh, Willis to me, has all the way, I know Lap kind of had a, uh, just kind of thought I might have been speaking a little bit. I mean, when I said that I think Willis has the width of a 10-year guy who maybe gets 75 to 80 career sacks, and that's saying a lot, I understand. I know, but I mean that's just the way he strikes you. It's the way he carries himself. He's a workmanlike guy. I mean uh, that's a hell of a pick. Yeah. Um, you know, and Lawson Lawson has a chance to be outrageous. I mean uh, he he could be he could be really something special. But uh, yeah, when you know when 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 a guy like Hardison doesn't make it, when a guy like Clark doesn't make it, you know you raise your you know you you raise your eyebrows and. You know, you say why, and I guess it's a good answer when you say, "Well, they just got flat out beat, beat out by two guys that had great camps." Yeah, Jeff, and I, I hate to get back to, to John Ross, but I meant to ask you this. Yeah. I, I know fans, just in general, worried about his injury past. Yeah. Are the Bengals now that he got kind of dinged up the other night? Are they kind of concerned more so than than they would if this was, 
You know, anybody else who didn't have the, the history of injuries? Well, I think they were concerned before they picked him. I think that's why they, there was great debate before they picked him. He was a 190-pound guy that, uh, that's been dinged, you know, and uh, I think uh, it was great debate. So, I mean, you know, uh, and the fact that it happens right out of the gate is, you know, I think is concerning. I mean, I, I, I mean, I'm not sure how they feel about it. I think they're probably, uh, they know why, you know, they know why they did it. The guys, the guy, the guy is special when it comes to speed. And I think they felt like it was worth it. And, um, you know, I think that's going to be, that's going to be one of those, James, I think you're going to say, you know, you're going to, you're going to be damned if you do and damned if you don't, Mm -hmm. because, uh, you know, uh, you don't make the pick and he goes someplace and he's, you know, Kerry Glenn or something like that. And they're going to say, well, wow. And then if you do make the pick and he struggles with injuries, it's well, what were you doing? Well, I mean, I, you know, you're all, you're always rolling the dice with these guys. The fact that a guy has an injury history when he's in college, you know, I, you only have to look at Anthony Munoz and yeah. <laughs> say that, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's a gamble. Yeah. I mean, it's just a flat out gamble. Sometimes you win him, sometimes you lose him. And, and I, you know, I think, Hey, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't blow his knee out. He's going to be back in a couple of weeks. So, you know, he got the shoulder done. And I mean, there was concern. He wouldn't be ready for the, uh, that he wouldn't be ready with the shoulder. And that was, you know, that wasn't as much of a factor as they thought it was. So, I mean, I think he's going. To, I mean, I think he's going to be fine. I think he's going to be exactly what they wanted, which was a niche player. There was that he's going to be a guy. That's why if you want, if you want to debate the pick, don't debate it because of his injury history. Because you can debate that with anybody, and you can roll the dice with anybody. But debate it because they picked a niche guy and not a guy that was maybe going to be an every down player. So maybe he will eventually grow into an every down player. But uh, to me, with the team they have and the talent they have and the quarterback they have. I think it was. I think it was a good pick. I'm an OJ Howard guy, but I think that Ross, <laughs> yeah. any of those two guys, any Ross or Howard, I think is great for Andy because mm-hmm. it makes him more. It makes him more dangerous. So I, I, you know, the Ross pick has grown on me as I've watched him. As I've watched him work, and he's a very uh, dedicated, diligent guy. And I'm telling you, he's special. We've seen it when he runs routes. Any you saw it in the game, you know yeah. that 25 yard run. Absolutely. I mean, that's a uh, uh, that stuff doesn't grow on trees. So. You know, right now he's healthy and he's, he's, he's going to be healthy. He might not be ready for the opener, but I don't know if he's going to be ready for the opener anyway. So, hey, like I told him, I said, uh, you know, hey, get those Jets ready for November and December. You know, <laughs> I mean, that's because uh, I think this team is good enough, James. I think this team is good enough to absorb some blows early. Perfect. Uh, Adam, Ross, you know, uh, mm-hmm. I, I think they're good enough to absorb that and to uh, steady themselves for a run. Yeah, I, I was totally on board, Jeff, with the the John Ross pick. So it's good to hear that uh, you're on the the train as well. Uh, wh- I'm one growing, more. I'm growing, on it. I'm growing on it. I've, uh, I, I was uh, OJ. Ho- I had to be weaned from OJ Howard, but um, uh, I like I like I like Ross as a guy, and I think he's a I think he's a hell of a player too. Yeah, no doubt. One one more for you, Jeff. You've been great for your uh, with your time, but I, I know you probably get this a lot. What do you think the deployment of the the Bengals three headed monster they have at running back? How that's going to look this week against the Ravens? Uh, it's interesting as hell. I mean, it's interesting as hell. You know, I'm I you know I Mixon's got to play, and he's no got to play, and he's got to get a lot of snaps. My opinion. You know, I think we'll see Geo like we always see Geo third down, a very valuable guy. I think he's a very valuable guy Sunday. Baltimore's so good in the box. They're so good in the you know in the. Uh, 
inside. They have got to get people on the perimeter. That's why it would have been nice to have Ross this week. Yeah. You know, you got to spread out. You got to spread out Baltimore, and Geo's a great weapon to have there. Um, so you know, he's going to do his thing on third down and and and, and in the slot in certain packages. Um, you know, I guess you know the wild card is who ends up getting the bulk of the carries, Mixon or Hill. You just you'd have to say probably you know. I guess the veteran Hill, because it's the opener, and Joe's still feeling his way in the system. But uh, I think Jeremy's definitely the guy in short yardage and goal line. Um, you know, and so that's how I think. That's how I know for sure. Well, that's where we'll see Jeremy. And I would imagine, uh, maybe I'm wrong, but I would imagine they rotate series. I would think Joe and Jeremy. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how. I don't know how Marvin will do it. I mean, I don't know. You know. I don't, you know, I think they feel confident in Joe, but remember, you know, remember he fumbled against Washington early, you know, early. So, um, and, you know, he's still feeling his way through some of the blitz pickups. So, and Baltimore has got a very, you know, confusing, confusing defense. So, you know, um, I think they pick and choose. I think they pick and choose, but I think Joe, I think, I think Hill and, I think Hill and Merck, I think Hill and Mixon will get their fair share. I think we'll see him Hill plenty. On short yardage, and then I think Joe. I think I, I think Joe will get some work. Uh, how many how many carries? I don't know. I think that's a field thing. It depends how many snaps they get. Scored a game, but uh, you know, I'll be I'll be interested to see because I think Mixon's a uh, you know I think he's a rookie of the year candidate. That's Jeff Hobson, Bengals dot com. Great stuff from him as always here on the Locked On Bengals podcast. By the way, we're on Twitter at James Erpine at Locked On Bengals. You can subscribe on iTunes. Audioboom.com and also the iHeartRadio app. The iHeartRadio app is a new thing that we're starting to, uh, it's starting to grow and grow and grow. So you should, uh, certainly, at least us being on the iHeartRadio app is a new thing. <laughs> the app itself is not, but, uh, you can subscribe there as well. And before we get to Joe Goodberry, ever since I started this podcast and, and even before that, right? Honestly, Pre me being in the media, me doing radio, me doing anything like that, writing and all that stuff, everyone always asks you, like, you have coworkers that come up and say, what team should I bet on this week? You got the Patriots, you got the Steelers, you got the Bengals, you got, and they just ask you teams and matchups and spreads. Where you're betting is just as important as what you're betting on. So that's why I always tell people to go to mybookie.ag. Mybookie has been in the business for years and the rep is rock solid they do 100 percent cash bonuses so off the bat you're making money for doing nothing you get a cash bonus boom right away and they have the fastest payouts seriously it just takes two business days if you know who's gonna win lay down some cash win big today with mybookie.ag i would only recommend this if i've used it i enjoy it i want you to check it out that's why i'm urging you to make your way to my bookie, you win, they pay. Join now, and my bookie will match your deposit with up to a hundred percent bonus. Use promo code LO Bengals, like locked on Bengals, LO Bengals, to activate the offer. Visit mybookie.ag today. Again, promo code LO Bengals. You play, you win, you get paid. And let's keep it rolling here on the Locked On Bengals podcast with Joe Goodberry. Talked to Joe yesterday. He's on Twitter at Joe Goodberry. And a good nugget from Jeff Hobson earlier in this podcast, the Bengals 15-7 and without Vontaze Perfect. I asked Joe, when he pops on the film, how big of a difference there is in the Bengals' defense, what differences he sees when Burfecht's on the field versus when he's not on the field. 
you know, I'm surprised to hear that they're 15 and seven without him. It really doesn't feel like that. I, um, I would say the entire team, not just not the, the defense. I think the entire team lacks a little bit of emotion, uh, a little bit of toughness without him. He definitely brings that, but uh, he's, he's smart. And I think that's the part that gets lost in a lot of his play and then, you know, some of the bylines with him. But Burfitt gets everyone lined up. He knows the plays. He's calling things out. He's getting everyone checked, everyone in the right spot. Um, when you lose that, other guys can step up. They like Vincent Ray. Uh, Minter is, has experience doing that in Arizona. We'll see who, who calls the huddle uh, when they line up without Burfitt for three weeks. But you're going to lose something there. So I think Burfitt was primed to have – a fantastic year. He was in great shape. I thought in preseason he was flying around all over the place. That Redskins game was he was just fantastic for that first half. Um, it, without him, you lose a premium player on your defense. Maybe right now, maybe the best player on your defense. Uh, I still yeah. think maybe Geno Atkins is that guy, but sure. So it's a huge loss. And I, I, I going against the Texans, going against the Ravens week one, Green Bay in week three could be a problem uh, if I have that order correct, but. Uh, so I think they can get through it, but at the same time, it, 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 you'll feel the effects of it. And Joe, I, I talked about uh, the, the the box score wouldn't necessarily reflect a, a John Ross and the impact he would have, especially early on as a rookie with everybody, uh, everyone they have at wide receiver. Because you agreed with the pick, and I did, and a lot of people did. Why does this team need a guy like John Ross, and, and what would he do for them schematically and in, in, in the film when you watch it? Well, you go back not far. You watch last year's offense, especially that first you know six weeks or so when defenses they didn't care about Boyd in the slot. They didn't care about LaFell on the outside. Um, they shaded that safety towards AJ Green, and in fact, they didn't even keep a safety back on the other side. They they felt no threat from Boyd or, or LaFell going over the top. Now that offense also missed Eifert, and I think that makes a big difference. But again. Uh, we're, we're still kind of questioning whether or not Eifert's completely healthy or not. I expect him to play. I think they say he's going to play. So we'll see if he's, if he's a hundred percent. I think that's a, that's a big factor, but the speed and especially John Ross and not just Ross speed, but deep ball skills and ball tracking um, and run right after the catch we saw in the preseason, they wanted to keep giving him the jet sweeps. They may have faked it 10 times and given it to him a couple times screen passes too. I think they were going to get the ball in his hands and let him be an athlete. Uh, an athlete they really don't have on the perimeter outside of A.J. Green. So you can't feed, and I say you can't feed Green the ball 15 times. I'd like to see it, but you, you can't do it because the defense won't allow you to do it. And you'd rather not throw into coverage in order to get your best player involved in the game in A.J. Green. What Ross would do and what that speed would do is back a safety up. Get a safety to, to at least be honest and not shade so far to green side if we're saying they're playing a cover one or cover three. And at best, they go into a cover two or quarter sh- uh, shell, and the underneath opens up. Eifert now starts exploiting uh, holes in, in the middle of the field. Tyler Boyd now is, is playing against zone defense and, has, and gets a linebacker or a safety on him, and, and he's running wild. It makes him better. It makes the running game better by getting the eighth guy out of the box. So it makes a big difference to have a speed guy opposite of A.J. Green. And it didn't have to be Ross. We saw the difference between uh, a Muhammad Sanu and a Marvin Jones and a, and a Brandon LaFell in that same role. And when Jones was there, it was a complete difference for this offense. And I, I, that's what I was expecting with Ross. Even if he didn't catch five balls, uh, just being lined up out there, I, I believe defenses would have started to respect him. Joe is on Twitter, at Joe Goodberry. Joe, let's look at the, the, the preseason. And the defensive line was certainly going into the draft something, uh, definitely a need, maybe their biggest need. Jordan Willis, 
Carl Lawson, Chris Smith, three guys obviously not only make the roster but give some hope. What did you see from the Bengals' pass rush that you saw, or, or what did you see this preseason that you might not have seen last year? And that's definitely it. it's the speed and athleticism. Um, that's definitely what they lacked, and that not only in quality. Uh, because I do believe we've lost something a little bit in Michael Johnson in the last few years. But Wallace Gilberry is obviously at the end of his career. Um, and Will Clark really hasn't developed. Marcus Hunt didn't, never developed into what they expected. So they lacked the talent last year. But most of all, they lacked the quick twitch edge rushing guy. And I, I believe they went out and got three of them, which is exciting because it was definitely a need. And obviously they knew it to go out and attack the position and attack the type of player they, they really lacked. They, they, they were fully aware of it. And going and getting uh, Jordan Lewis and then coming back and getting Carl Lawson, both have looked really good in the preseason. Um, and Chris Smith had, probably was the star on defense this entire preseason. I'm very excited to see how this rotation goes. Not only did, did we expect to see Michael Johnson's snaps maybe cut in half from 900 to 450 this total year, really cutting him from uh, 50, 55 snaps a game to 20, 25 snaps and maybe at most. Um, I think you can give a little bit of rest to Carlos Dunlap. That's how good these guys have looked. Let's, let's build for a playoff run. You know, let's not have these guys have a thousand snaps come week 16, 17 and wild card. Uh, let's take a little snap off of, of Carlos Dunlap's plate. Maybe we make him a little bit better with it. I just think you can move these guys around. You can do different formations. We saw it during the Redskins game where they come up with five defensive linemen and a bare front and try and get pressure with that. Uh, you can u- use Lawson at, at linebacker. Chris Smith played some linebacker with the Jags. So those guys can stand up and rush. I, I want to see who they kick inside, whether that's Michael Johnson. I think Willis could do it a little bit. Uh, so for me, you get more options, you get more talent, but you get that speed and that quick first step off the line gets in the quarterback's head and they feel that pressure. Even if you're not getting sacks, even if you're not really getting a hand on them, that quick pressure, that quick speed off the edge makes everyone better. It should make Geno Atkins better. It should make Carlos Dunlap better. And it should force a few more throws a little bit earlier than they should be. Joe, I, obviously the offensive line is a weakness. It's something we've talked about essentially all off season. One thing I think that they, they need or are hoping to happen is a guy like Joe Mixon helps them and helps them establish a consistent running game, something we really haven't seen the past couple years. When you watch Joe Mixon this preseason, what stood out to you? I think he was exactly what we saw on tape, which is a top 10 talent in this draft. Um, he's got a rare and unique blend. For, for a guy that's 230 pounds, maybe 225 that agility, the explosion, first step in cutting up field, uh, it's rare. It's very rare. And to match with it, he's a phenomenal receiver. His hands are great. He runs really good routes. His vision and patience is top-notch. He doesn't depend on an offensive line to create holes for him. He can manipulate uh, linebackers at the second level. He can move them out of the hole. He can press the hole and cut back and, and create more yardage that's not there. And for holes that are maybe uh, holes that close quickly or defenses that are collapsing on the hole, he still finds a way to get squirt out two or three yards out of it, whereas we've seen other running backs not be able to get that. So he will make a poor offensive line hopefully keep their head above water and, and, and stay average. Uh, I think for me, especially this week looking at the Ravens game, if I'm the Bengals, I spread it out. And for me, that means Giovanni Bernard and Joe Mixon, and that's their wheelhouse. You, go, you stay in the shotgun, what it will do is it forces the Ravens to get their two big nose tackles off the field and Brandon Williams and Michael Pierce, two big guys, huge guys, go, go against the run. You put the Ravens' defense in nickel, you've, and you run against it. And if they want to bring those big defensive tackles in to stop the run, 
then you pass against them and, and, and ask those big guys to pass rush. I think that's why Mixon and, and, and Geo could have really big opening weeks where I, I'm really not so big on Jeremy Hill. I've had a lot of questions today for fantasy relevance, and I, I'm not high on Hill for this week, but I think Geo and Mixon could have big weeks. Naturally, I'm going to ask you about that, that Ravens defense, that pass rush. Cedric Abwehi, Jake Fisher, two question marks. I think it's unfair to group them in together, but I'm going to ask it together since they were drafted in the same draft. What did you see from Cedric Abwehi this this preseason? What did you see from Jake Fisher? What did you like? What did you not like? I'm not sure we saw much or and maybe really any improvement out of Cedric Abwehi going from right tackle to left tackle and having an offseason there. I thought he dealt with the same struggles. Uh, and that, that's mostly power. That's mostly late hands, um, not being able to control power rushers. But even so, uh, speed guys were getting him too. So I think they could have a lot of issues still left tackle. On the other hand, I thought Jake Fisher showed a lot of promise. And he may have been their best blocker in the second level, especially in the run game. I thought he, he did well there. And he had a couple of really nice uh, pass protections too. He, he, he lost some plays. But there's one play in particular I think of against the Redskins. Uh, Ryan Kerrigan was rushing, and he knocks down his inside arm and then pancakes him. And that's a really good rusher. And for you to have that, and he really, at Oregon, um, Fisher showed good hands, strong hands, and, and good hand placement. And I think get him getting back to that after having some experience finally uh, shows he may be a capable starter. So they may be okay on the right side. I still believe center and left tackle will be an issue. If I'm the Ravens, I'm putting – Terrell Suggs right over top of uh, yeah. the whole game. Oh, and my I'm God, that's so scary. <laughs> yeah, because not only is Suggs a decent athlete, he's powerful in his frame. He's really strong. Uh, if I'm the Bengals, you're going to have to keep a running back or tight end to chip him. You're going to get the ball out within two and a half seconds, and you're not going to let him beat him. Because I think on the other side with Matt Judon and rookie Tyus Bowser, uh, Fisher can hold his own with that. He may lose a couple, but he should win a couple too. Uh, and on the inside, I don't think the Ravens really have an interior rusher to make kick Brent Urban inside. Uh, overall, I don't think they're a good pass rushing team outside of Suggs, and he's on the other side of, of his career now. But still, I still believe Suggs has the advantage over Oboehe. So the Bengals should be pretty good here to spread it out and just really about really worry about left tackle versus Suggs. And maybe you can chip, maybe you can get the ball out quick and to mitigate that just a little bit. Um, but overall, I think the Bengals had the advantage here despite having issues on the offensive line. Yeah, Joe, I, I pretty much said that it was a, a 70% chance of a victory with Vontez. Without it, it seems more like a, a coin flip game to start this week. If the Bengals were to get a win outside of what you just said about the offensive line, uh, what do you think they need to do against the Ravens? Do what they've done. Uh, they're 7-3 and three against the Ravens since 2012. Uh, they haven't lost at home on, in that same stretch of 10 games. I think they know how to defend the Ravens, and especially Joe Flacco. Uh, you take away the deep stuff, you move Flacco off his point, which means pass rush, especially the interior guys. Geno Atkins has really done damage, even though they have good interior offensive linemen, especially Marshall Yanda. I think if you can get Flacco to move his feet a little bit or get him to hold the ball just a half a second longer, he gets a little antsy. He's, he's, more in, uh, he's, he's more likely to throw into coverage. He's more likely to check it down quick, and you guys, your guys have to come up and make tackles. I think if the defense does that, uh, the Ravens' offense isn't a scary unit. Flacco, without much experience from being injured in preseason, uh, you have the advantage here. I think if you can win on defense despite losing Fontes Perfect, I believe you, you have the advantage uh, for the rest of the game. And it's probably a close game because I don't think the Ravens are completely terrible, and it's a division opponent week one. They should be ready for each other. 
Uh, I see a close win, probably 23-17. That's great stuff from Joe Goodberry. As always, one of the best Bengals follows out there, at Joe Goodberry on Twitter, will join me following every single Bengals game with our weekly Bengals film review. And uh, I can't wait. I can't wait for the season. I'm excited. I I just, there's so many things, so many moving parts, and I've been optimistic for so damn long. I don't want the, the suspension of perfect or the offensive line struggles, stuff like that to bother me, but it's almost here. It's almost here. We were going to, we're going to, I know this podcast was a little long, by the way, today. I wanted to get both of those interviews in today. We'll get some more interviews tomorrow. I'll be in the Bengals locker room. And until then, when we continue to preview week one, I'm James Erpine. Thank you so much for listening to the Locked on Bengals podcast. Check out my bookie. Use promo code LOBENGALS. And until tomorrow, I'm James Erpine. This is the Locked on Bengals podcast. Did you watch the 2020 Reds with higher expectations than a first-round wild card exit of epic proportions? Did you think that the Reds hitting would come around with the signings that they made last offseason? Are you wondering who is asking you all of these questions? Hi, my name is Jeff Carr, and I host the Locked On Reds podcast each and every day, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Throughout the offseason, I'm going to take a look at these Reds, how they fix what didn't work in 2020, and how they continue their success in 2021. But wait, there's more. I'll also have interesting interviews with players, writers, and everyone in between talking about the Cincinnati Reds. Come join me on the Locked On Reds podcast each and every day.